Today's podcast brought to you by Elders and Rhino Guard from Zoetis. Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to the Weekly Grill. Today it's tech talk time when our guests are innovators in agriculture, especially in the beef industry. Today we'll be checking on a work in progress, the facial recognition of sheep with extraordinary ramifications for the possible facial recognition of cattle. That's to come. But first, a gadget, an invention, which focuses on one of the most important aspects of life on the land, and that is farm safety. James Diamond owns a property near Mansfield in Victoria. James and brother Paul have launched a device which sends crucial information about where a person is and their status when they might be a long, long way from any other person. Joining me for part one of today's two-part tech talk is the inventor of that device, James Diamond. James, welcome. You're on the grill with Beef Central. Gary, thanks for having us. Uh, very briefly, James, give us a word picture of this uh, location device. Well, Kerry, it's, it's pretty simple. What we've done is we've taken typical EPIRB-style device, a simple thing that can clip on the belt buckle. It's got one button on it, and it really has one simple job. Where am I? And am I in trouble? Uh, and it's as simple as that. A uh, little little device, no, no, no bigger than sort of a matchbox, if you will, uh, that just clips on the side of your belt, and, and that's sort of where where our agri started. And if I'm in a, I'm falling off a tractor, or the tractor's rolled on me down the paddock two miles from the homestead, it'll ping back to some central base, will it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's sort of two sides of the equation. There's the where am I and am I in trouble, which is exactly what we just explained. This little matchbox device that sits on your belt. It's, it's then sending back a, the location of where I am. And, and Air Agri does two things. It has, let's call it the automatic uh, and the manual alert. So the manual alert is uh, I stood on a snake or, you know, I, I'm aware of something that's gone wrong and something's not right, so I'm going to press the button. Uh, and immediately that will broadcast where I am and the system will then notify all the people that you've told it to notify. Uh, the automatic alerts are exactly what you're talking about, and we've seen it firsthand on our property, where if an accident does occur, the person that's in the accident finds it very hard to even clearly communicate where they are and what's just happened. Very true. Yes. So, the de- so the device itself uh, can be configured. Uh, have I uh, a series of logic, really, but keeping it super simple is have I moved? Am I in an active part of the property, right? Because if I'm sitting on the couch or around the table having lunch or, uh, or afternoon tea, I don't need, to, don't need the device to worry about it. But the second I step into an active area on the property, it's now looking and checking and saying, should I be moving? Have I not moved? And if I haven't, then I'm going to send off a little alert to say, hey, this is where I am. So if I've come off a bike or a horse and I'm lying unconscious when they're looking up to the sky in a paddock somewhere, it will go off. Correct, exactly. And, and the user or the, the farmer has the access of configuring that. So we have some farmers on the platform already today that, you know, they're, high, they're rotational grazers and they're actually moving water troughs a fair bit. So we allow them to sort of 
change the automatic alerts to maybe 20 minutes of no activity because what they were finding is they were getting out of the Polaris, moving a water trough and, and accidentally triggering the alert because the yeah. device was being left in the Polaris. So we do allow for those property specifics because yeah. everyone farms differently. So the device can work in the big stations up north as well as the smaller properties in the east coast and down south? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've got we've got applications of Air Agri working in million-acre stations all the way down into tiny little, you know, 100-acre properties down south. Uh, I guess the key for us is really attaching onto a network or coverage that works, uh, and that's that's why that little matchbox, that little what we call the PLD, the personal location device, uh, works on a totally different network. It doesn't use the cellular network that we're all, you know, very frustrated with on a daily yes, basis. Yes. Um, so it's a different coverage, and we've got pretty extensive coverage maps. We we're using what we call Telstra's IoT network, the Internet of Things network. It uses, as I say, a totally different frequency and technology. And we can take any address or any property or station in Australia and do some pretty quick analysis on coverage and penetration uh, and, and come up with the right solution. So do farmers or uh, graziers rent this advice, device or buy it? And what would be the monthly cost for an average family-sized farming or grazing property? I guess that's always a factor when you're talking about new technology. It always is. And, and, and sort of I think what's really important here is the fact that you've got to understand where and how the dollars are being derived. You know, is this a number that's being pulled out of thin air or is there actually substance to it? What, what we've tried to do with Air Agri is make sure that there's a value equation for every dollar that's being spent. That's why everyone listening today can actually go on to airagri.com.au and, and start using the platform for free. So all of the record keeping and the farm management and the mapping, that's all for free. Where we attach a price to is either when we've got a hard cost or, in this case, when we rent one of these personal location devices, the PLDs. So to answer your question specifically, a typical... Um, sort of farm deployment for us would have the farmer on our subscription. They would have two or three of these PLDs, these these tracking devices, and then some type of support where they can call us and and speak to us on a on a different basis. So, um, really, what that comes out to be on a monthly basis is probably somewhere between two two hundred and two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, so uh, there's a lot of chatter these days about data. I'm sure you're aware of that. It's probably on the front page of the paper today or the business side part of the paper at least. So what happens to the data, This uh, your client data? Where is it stored? Who owns it and what happens to it? Oh, I, I think this is probably, as you say, it's a, it's a really topical element or conversation today and I think it needs to probably become even more relevant Um what was critical for Paul and I when we started this business and when we started talking about it was that we only saw it working one way and that was because we would only ever use a system or a company or technology that, that did this. It had to be 100% Australian-owned, had to be 100% data sovereign, right? So no data, no Aussie farmer data leaves Australia 
and I don't want to be working with a company that has foreign ownership because if there's foreign ownership, then there might be, you know, controversial access to my data. And as we know, how we farm our own land is is ultimately some of the the most valuable IP. So the two things to start with, the Australian owned and operated 100%. Uh, the second thing is that the data doesn't leave Australia. So even when it's sitting in the cloud or using apps, it's it's stored in Australia and our data centres are in Brisbane and in Sydney here in Australia. And the third and most important piece is making sure that the supplier or the company that you're working with doesn't have any objective to sell or trade your information and data. Um so Air Agri is and will always continue to be a business that is 100% Australian-owned. Paul and I are very, very passionate about that. The data sovereignty piece is an absolute must. doesn't leave Australian shores. And most importantly, the data itself is yours. That's why we have to charge you some money. Um, and Kerry, I think some people have said if it's, if it's a free product, then... You're the product. Your data is the product. Someone's selling that and using it. Yep. And I think that's it's, a, it's really true and it's important for farmers to stay on top of that because this information is going to become more and more important in the future. Uh, we're working with some insurance companies at the moment about if, if farmers are starting to become more digital and we're not saying they need to overnight. You know, and Paul and I believe this is probably a a transition period over the next decade or two, uh, and in some cases, multi-generational. But the data should be able to not only help farmers become more efficient and run safer properties and businesses, but most importantly, it should help them save money with things like insurance if they can demonstrate that you know they are doing the right thing and, and they are running uh, as safer operation as possible. James, you're... Uh a personal location device, or PLD as it's become known, was judged to have so much potential you were awarded a substantial development grant from the Victorian Government. How's it all going so far and what do you see as the potential? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think the Victorian Government um, has been really supportive of our initiatives to date. Uh, It is hard getting something off the ground, but most importantly, it's, it's really tricky as, as two sort of high country farmers from uh, Victoria stepping into this world of business and there's a lot of do's and a lot of don'ts. So uh, I think the support, the programs and, and the funding has been very, very beneficial. But really where that sort of sees us is, is on a track record or on a path, I should say, to going from a few hundred properties to 4,000 properties by the end of this year. Um, and Kerry, that's really important for us. We... We fundamentally feel that there's, there's a very important why to what we're doing. Um, ag tech in general has got a lot of value add, but I think our, our reason or, or why we believe technology can add a lot of value is, is about bringing Aussie farming families home at the end of every day. James, uh, James so, fewer things more important than farm safety. Uh, James Diamond, inventor of the PLD or the personal location device. Thanks for being with us on Beef Central. Been terrific. Thanks. Thanks, Kerry. More in a moment, facial identification of cattle. 
Welcome back. You're on the grill with Beef Central. Now to the crucial area of livestock recognition. Now, ear tags are commonplace in Australia, both for cattle and increasingly for sheep. The tags are crucial, especially for the sale, location and traceability of livestock. Could both the sheep and cattle industries do better? Is there, is a, is there a better system uh, possible? Dr Mark Ferguson's doctorate is Merino Genetics and he thinks a better system is possible. Dr Ferguson, welcome to Beef Central. Thanks very much, Kerry. Great to be here. Now, this is hearsay, but I suspect the tag loss with sheep is far greater than cattle. Is that right? Yeah, probably. I don't know the numbers exactly either, but yeah. we certainly have lots of, lots of tag loss in, in sheep. Yeah, that's one of the problems. I know uh, sheep people have hardly drawn breath, though, from, from uh, using ear tags. Are the tags not good enough? Oh, but, I mean, there's good tags out there. I think there's, there's batches that don't work, but sometimes, yeah, I mean, depending on different people have different experiences, but I think if they're put in well and um, and then you get good retention rate. And, yeah, I think there's probably nothing wrong with that system. It's just you can't read them from 100 metres away, which is what we can do with facial recognition. Okay, yeah, there seems to be an issue on where to put the tag, which ear is best, and, and teaching shoes to stay away from the tag. I guess that's an issue. But look, we'll get to the advantages shortly of your system, but 74 million plus sheep in Australia, they're not all going to line up and walk slowly through a yard for you. How do you take the identification picture? What's the story there? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, yeah, I guess the, the first thing we need to do is, is establish who the animal is, which means you've got to, at some point, get them through a, a system that captures, if they've got an EID, um, that EID, and then matches it to that facial recognition, which is a system that we've been working on. Um, so it's a, yeah, basically a race system, um, depending on the farms. But once that passport photo is established, you can the cameras will find them in the paddock and identify them in the paddock. So you don't have to, it's only a once-off for, a, for an animal is the, is the plan of our system. So I guess you put cameras near watering points, would that be one, one place to put them? Yeah, so part of the, challenges is sheep behaviour obviously and depending depending on what you're doing with the cameras at the time. Um, the beauty of I guess the point of facial recognition is to identify animals automatically from a distance uh, and that has a range of things you can do with that. But yeah, watering points if or feeding points or or the, the sh- or enough cameras to find them if they're in small paddocks. But generally yeah. The camera is on a tripod I assume or something like that, is it fixed to a fence post? Yeah, it's um, got its own unit with Panels and stuff, and it's looking around. They can look around 360 degrees and zoom and tilt, and it's automatically confined sheep or livestock wherever they are, and uh, as long as they're in sight. There's no one sitting somewhere manipulating where it's going and what it's aiming at, so it does that automatically. So it's machine learning all doing that. So that's um, there's object detectors, and the whole is four or five different machine learning algorithms that run the process of telling the camera what to do and where to do it and how to do it. What range is effective, Mark? Is it twenty meters, fifty meters, or or longer? Sort of in the just just over the hundred meters at the moment. Depends on um, technology changes all the time, but we're sitting at about one twenty, one thirty meters at the moment. Um, yeah. With the with the zoom we've got currently, and yeah, things improve all the time, obviously with tech. So. What a part of a lamb or sheep is unique, which would identify them from other lambs and sheep? It's the same as in humans, so it's sort of triangulation of the various features. We don't actually, the beauty of well, the battle of machine learning is you don't actually know what it's doing, you just know that it's doing it well. And But it is, yeah, it's using weights of different sort of triangulation of eyes, nostrils, ears, whatever. So it can, what we're, we're focusing on bits that don't change, so bits that don't, where the wool doesn't grow and stuff, so that it's 
consistent between times of the year, etc. You need to take a picture of every sheep in the paddock, or is it just ewes and lambs, perhaps? Uh, depends on what you're trying to do. So if you try, yeah. uh, our main, our early focus is to match ewes with their lambs, so that we can, at a commercial scale, really crank up how many ewes, uh, or crank up determining which ewes are the most productive in a flock. So to do that, you need to have every ewe photographed and then every lamb photographed yeah. as they go through the, the tailing, tailing system. I guess you're only as good as the information you put into this apparatus uh, entry. That's, it sounds like a lot of work if you're putting uh, other information in there. Our aim is to make it as automated as possible and to evaluate to other things with EID becoming uh, mandatory in Australia. There's going to be a lot of people with tags that aren't getting a lot of value out of them. And so our aim is to supercharge that investment by helping them get greater data and greater information on their animals. So what is the value? Is it all about productivity, Mark? Is, it, is that, that where it is? Yeah, the interest at the moment is is obviously productivity and welfare from, from both farmers and the market. We've got interest in overseas companies that are really keen to, uh, to have a sort of that 24-7 uh, view of animals. So you train at the track for things like strike or lameness or whatever, and so you can have early detection of illness or problems. Oh, so um, a camera yeah, will so record uh, an, an animal that's ill. Yeah, if you try to find those illnesses, which we haven't yet, but that's sort of definitely part of the work program, is to say that you know, identify one with dags or one with flies or or one that's limping or whatever. And, and that's the beauty of facial recognition because you can tell who it is, um, and so your owner can come in and draft them off. What's what's the cost to an average sheep property of doing this? Is it do you sell the technology to a producer or do you rent it out or what's the go? At the moment, we're doing it on a yeah. On a, rented process, I suppose, of um, per lamb matching, which we're aiming to hit the market about 5 or $6 per lamb matched. And we haven't gone to sort of full production scale on cameras yet. Once we do that, we can we will be selling them and try and make sure we yeah, get to bring the, probably don't change that price, but increase the capability of what we can do with those cameras. So, yeah, it's a bit, um, a bit early days to have a defined price on it yet as, we, as we're as we sort of getting on farm and, and trying to work out exactly what, yeah, where the where the value is and where we can make sure there's a, there's a profit margin for it all. So w- what sort of profitability or what sort of increase in productivity are you estimating that this might be able to bring to the average um, user? We're working on about 40, 40K per farm per year, $40,000 per farm per year. Is wow. The mass, mass that we've done yeah. on an average sheep farm of 2,000 sheep. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, not game-changing, but yeah, a nice increment. And, and I think that's that's just if we can... It's just from the productivity. That's not any welfare or any peace of mind monitoring that you get from having having your sheep watched when you're not there. So the uh, facial recognition of sheep is well underway and has been for some time. You couldn't do it without modern technology, could you? I mean, the technology that's been developed across the spectrum in the last five or six years ago is crucial for the, for your project. That's insane. I'm not a, a massive fan of gaming myself, but all the <laughs> but the GPUs <laughs> that are developed for, for, for gamers are literally what we're what we're sort of being on the back of, really. Um, but, yeah, the technology, even even within the last 12 months, technology that's been released is, yeah, blink is it, blink, sort of blink and times you, better. Than... Blink and you miss it, Mark, I can tell you. It's, yeah. Technology and yeah. communications are just amazing. Now, it's so facial recognition of cattle, is that on the horizon? Certainly been. There's some companies working on it. It's certainly definitely possible. We haven't started training a data set for, for cattle yet, but um, we had some strong interest around from, from cattle producers and really keen to hear from anyone that would that thinks that would be valuable. I think there's a range of things that can be done there, and yeah, it's certainly there's no scientific reason why it won't work. Um, it's just we haven't 
trained that data set yet. The issue of losing tags is huge in cattle. So the expenses, uh, they've been looking for something like this very closely, I, I would reckon. Yeah, we certainly had strong interest. We talked at the Zander Summit the other day uh, with lots of producers and, and their yeah, strong interest in I guess, identifying those those cows that calving. Obviously, in northern beef, it's very really hard to work out which ones are, are bringing in a calf or not because you're not sure if they're pregnant or, or not or yeah. have weaned one or what. Um, so, yeah, linking those that productivity to those, to those cows. And obviously, up there, they're centred around water points fairly, yeah. fairly regularly, so you yeah. can... So if you had an initial look at uh, facial recognition for cattle, would that be for the, the larger producers, the northern producers, or would it be for the average uh, smaller uh, grazier down south of, say, with 500 head or so? I think both. I think I think the beauty of, I mean, I didn't think it would be for north, but um, once you get up there and realise that they do yeah, obviously come to water fairly regularly, mm-hmm. you can um, you can find the cattle, but definitely down south we've got, yeah, you could, and again, finding it's linking that which calf to which cow, and therefore work out which which the maternal productivity of those commercial cows. Because obviously, um, you can work out which ones aren't pregnant or whatever, but you don't know which unless you do the work. You can't match the, the calf to a, to a cow, and and so yeah, there's that I think has significant value for for that industry as well to be keeping and and culling the right animals. I've spoken to an old mate. He runs about five or six hundred head west of the Downs, and a small, very small property, but. Uh, he reckons he can go out and tell which calves came from which cow, and the uh, the, the need in his accuracy would be about ninety five percent. What was what's your accuracy with sheep? You got a figure on that, haven't you? Uh, about about the same, yeah. So it's about the same as what humans. So if you've got time, yeah, definitely humans can do what we're talking about. Yeah. Um. Obviously, in sheep and cattle, particularly, where you've got a nice, easy, readable tag, and you can and you can match them up because it is essentially doing what you do when you go out of the paddock it's just doing it in an automated and much more rapid like it's just consistently there where you've got to go and eat and sleep and stuff no it definitely doesn't replace yeah I mean if, if you've got a good stock person they can they can match those calves with their, with their cattle I guess as we move into a future where there's maybe less of those good stock people around and you need and yeah those skills might, might not be as prevalent as they were before I guess it's sort of a, a world that where technology can really help I reckon on, on some of those properties up north where you've got 20,000 head in one paddock, that'd be a lifesaver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, you're not going to be doing that. Yeah. If, you had, if, you had a, uh, if you had a forecast or if you envisaged what the productivity increase might be if you had facial recognition of cattle? No, we haven't done those. Mm. haven't done those sums, but we need to sit down and do them. Yeah. yeah. Would the process be essentially different? or if you, Because I know it's a long way off, but... Uh, Going from one to the other, I think, is a, is a natural occurrence. Is that, would it be essentially different from sheep or much the same? No, I think, I mean, very, very similar. Like a lot of the stuff we're training is is about how you control the camera and, and make it, and do the processes that yeah. require, which with a different uh, different training set, which is obviously bovine focus. And, you'd, yeah, I mean, that would be a minor change compared to some of the stuff we've had to do over the last three years of developing this tech. Yeah, three years you've been going. What's when do you think it might be widely used in the industry? Is there is a time frame that you've got in mind? Uh, we're hoping to get on and we'll do matching lambs to dams this this season, so this calendar year, and then uh, in the next sort of six weeks we'll be on again. Well, we're on cameras on farms all the time in trial, but we're getting close to that that release. Uh, yeah, so I guess it depends what you call widely, but I think there'll be the intention is definitely to be increasing our. Over the next uh, next few years, so 2024, 2025 should be big years for us. Sometimes grazers have to use DNA testing to confirm lamb parentage. That that would be very expensive, what I, w- I would assume. 
yeah, it's generally price prohibitive for commercial farmers. In beef, you can you can do the sums and probably make it work, but uh, in sheep, it's just yeah, too expensive to, yeah, yeah. Uh, to to actually get that. But it's obviously very accurate and works and really good in the stud stud industry. But uh, in in the commercial industry, it's the price point puts too much pressure on. Really, another quick question: Is a byproduct of this work related to um, to methane emission? We haven't like, looked in it, but definitely around, if you look at carbon intensity, so maternal efficiency is really what we're trying to drive, and so that's kilograms of product per kilogram of live weight of a ewe, and yeah, obviously driving driving up that productivity is uh, is a big part of driving down carbon intensity, so yeah, it does, does have a methane outcome. I think the methane emission story is everywhere. Intriguing stuff. It's a it's a wonderful message of technology these days in livestock management. I can tell you, Mark Ferguson, Doctor of Marine Genetics uh, from Next Gen Agri. He's the facial recognition of livestock guru. Thanks for joining us on Beef Central's podcast on the grill. Thanks, fantastic. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for joining me today. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and this is the Weekly Grill, brought to you by Elders and Reinegard from Zoetis. Mm-hmm.